Jen Hemphill is a military spouse and proud bilingual Latina, helping busy career-oriented women become the reina, queen of her money, and love her dinero more. Jen is a Latina money expert, an AFC, accredited financial counselor, author, speaker, and hosts the Her Dinero Matters podcast since 2015. Her Dinero Matters is an award-winning bilingual podcast focused on the advancements of U.S. Latinas to minimize the gender wage gap while creating healthy, confident conversations around money. In this episode, Jen is going to share with us her decision to host a bilingual podcast, how she formats the show language-wise, and some of the challenges faced when hosting a bilingual podcast. Because I know there's a lot of us who have an interest in hosting a dual language podcast. A special shout out to our patron supporters who make producing these podcast episodes possible, including Tracy K, Sleep With Me Podcast, Nina E, Martine P, Josie, Helen Z, and Jeannie D. Thank you so much for your support. It really means the world to us. We ask that you please join us on Patreon, where your support will help with the production of this show and also help us create a directory for women of color hosted podcasts to improve our discoverability. We want to create a resource where you can easily find women of color hosted podcasts that you can listen to, support, sponsor, join their communities. We want to make it so much easier. Things should be easy in 2023, right? As a supporter, you'll get access to extended audio and video guest interviews, a monthly newsletter sharing five women of color podcasters you should know about, and plenty more perks. So thanks again for your support. Women of color are influential visionaries, moving the podcasting industry forward, impacting how we create and consume podcasts. But we often don't hear about their work, contributions, or rise to success. We believe it's about time these powerhouses are celebrated and acknowledged. So tune in every other week as we share the stories of women of color making big moves in front and behind the mic. So Jen, I invited you on today on the show because you are so well accomplished in the podcasting space. I have been listening to your show for years. You are one of the voices in personal finance that have been influential in my life. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love your actionable, simplified way of actually accomplishing our goals. And because of listening to you over the last few years at least, I've noticed that you have a large archive. You have over 400 episodes. You are very consistent in your publishing schedule. You have transitioned to actually hosting a bilingual podcast. So there's just a lot for us to talk about. So let's get started off in the beginning that you know, you've published over 400 episodes according to Apple Podcasts. So what are some of the things that you've done that helped you remain consistent over the last seven plus years? 
Well, the first thing is I committed. I know kidding committed. So when I started my podcast, and it was originally called Her Money Matters, back in June of 2015, I had literally just started this business. What I wasn't doing was providing content, right? It's a way for people to get to know me. And then I was wondering why I wasn't able to build my list. Well, hello, that wasn't providing anything, any YouTube videos, any blog posts, because, oh, me and writing, <laughs> we're not a good mix. So I was looking for a way to provide that content and podcast, even though I had tried YouTube videos, we were living in what I call the North Pole and <laughs> the lighting and, and just all. All the setup for me was just too much for me to be consistent. So I decided, what can I do that I can be consistent with? And I really love podcasting and just getting on a mic and talking and being able to share my personality. Because even though writing, you can share your personality, writing is an art. <laughs> it is a true art. And with YouTube, it was, again, it was just for me. It was just too much of the setup and I'm a perfectionist and and the lighting and everything. So I decided to commit to podcasting. So that was going to be my way of people to get to know me, the value that I bring, being able to interview guests. And so that was just really exciting to me. But also the way for me to commit, I am probably one of the few podcasters that does not know how to edit her own podcasts. (laughs) Because I decided in order for me to commit and knowing who I am and my weaknesses in terms of me being a perfectionist, I needed to have an editor just coming out, out of the gate. That was how I was able to commit. My fear was if I learn how to edit, I would probably not have been as consistent. So I think that helped me first, the commitment and two, knowing my weaknesses and knowing that having an editor right off the gate would really help me. You know, I think you touched on two important things. Knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, especially as the content creator. I think that's so, so, so important. And for me, when I started at least podcasting, I was not aware of who I am. I'm very aware now, four years later, but in the beginning, I wasn't aware. So I was like taking random advices and just trying to like just do all these things that wasn't necessarily conducive to who I am. And I also definitely agree with the outsourcing bit. I do know how to edit and I was editing my show for about 30 episodes until I got burnt out. And then consistency was becoming an issue. Like, could I be consistent? Is this sustainable? So I just love the intentionality that you had from the get-go. How has podcasting changed over the last seven years since you started in 2015? A lot. I've seen more people embrace podcasting, even though a lot of people have come into podcasting and then all of a sudden they disappeared. But I think it has changed a lot. When I started Her Money Matters, really my purpose at that time, there were women podcasting and there were finance podcasting, but there weren't podcasts. And again, this is my memory, (laughs) but I couldn't find women podcasters talking about finance for women. So I felt like that was where I needed to go and serve. But I've seen podcasting, it takes away a little bit of I don't know if the fear is the right word, but it gives people the voice that they may not have had or they may not have had the confidence to do if they were maybe on YouTube, you know, doing YouTube videos. So I think podcasting gives you a little bit more of that confidence because 
no one's looking at you unless you're doing a video podcast and you're behind the mic. And right now it's you and I talking, but if you're doing a solo episode, it's just you and the mic. So there's that comfort level that I think gives people the opportunity and more of a permission and more confidence to express themselves for who they are, what they believe, their values. Yes, exactly. And these are all reasons why I established myself as a podcaster and I wanted to start podcasting was because of the lower barrier of entry, like not having to do hair and makeup and worry about lighting, right? Like all I have to really worry about after having my setup is like having great content and being intentional on what kind of message and what I'm sharing out with the world. So thank you so much for that. So you did actually mention that your podcast started off as Her Money Matters, and it has rebranded to Her Dinero Matters. So can you just share with us the behind the scenes of like that decision to change the podcast name and what has been your audience's reaction to that? So I did Her Money Matters until around 2018. I was at a podcast movement. And I don't even know what location, but it was around 2018 where I was really having an aha moment. And on my podcast, I've always been me. I've always been my personality. I've always been talked about being Latina. I always maybe said some words in Spanish. They knew. They knew what we're getting into from the first episode. And so even though I spoke a lot about my heritage, where I came from, what I realized was, okay, here I am talking to women, which is great. And I've opened up a lot of doors. I wrote a book because of my podcast. A small publishing company asked me to write a book, but it was self-published. But that's another story. So it really opened up the doors. I mean, a true crime podcast recommended my podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with My Favorite Murder, and I was like just blown away. So Her Money Matters did a lot of things for me. But what I was noticing was, here I am. As a Latina, here I am knowing what the Latinx community, what their needs are. And here I am also knowing that we listen to people who look and have similar shared experiences. Why am I not serving my community? And so then I started searching for, again, I found myself looking for podcasts that were talking to Latinas, the U.S. Latina. I didn't find any. And I'm like, okay. I need to do this. So at that time, there were multiple podcasts by women for women talking about finance, right? And so I decided to make a shift, even though it took me a while because I've had this loyal community of listeners and I felt bad. I felt that guilt. But then I knew in my gut, I knew this was the right move. Of course, it took me a little bit. So I started thinking about 2018 and I actually started a brand new podcast. So there was Her Money Matters on one feed (laughs) and I was running two podcasts. One was called Su Dinero Importa and it was pretty much in Espanol. It was in Spanish, but that was too much because I was literally doing two weekly podcasts (laughs) for about six months. After that, I knew that wasn't going to be sustainable. And then I also learned that at that time, things have changed. There was a new report, the Latino Podcast Listener Report, and things have changed from when I started that podcast pretty much in Spanish. But at that time, I noticed that the listenership was coming from more Latin American countries because in the U.S., 
the Latino listener, it's growing now. But at that time, it was maybe more of a millennial. And it was more of a person that was more adapted to the US and just listened to podcasts in English, right? So after six months of doing two podcasts, and I decided this is crazy, this is not in any way, shape or means sustainable, I've got to let one go. I also realized too, besides it not being sustainable, and I needed to let go of the guilt. I also realized that who I really wanted to serve, I didn't need to speak Spanish all the time. Because if I sat and reflected, you know, let's say when I have a conversation with maybe just my Latina friends, what were we doing? We were speaking primarily in English, and then we threw Spanish words here and there. Or we may have started the conversation in Spanish and we threw English words here and there, whatever just came to our minds because the bilingual brain, it cannot be controlled. It cannot be controlled. So I figured this is what I need to do. And when I looked, not just at my friends, but even just the Latino groups, I would say subgroups that have been and are established here in the U.S., they speak English fluently, at least the ones that I'm trying to serve. Right. So I had to take a look at that. And at that time, the Latinos in the US that primarily speak Spanish or would want to listen to something in Spanish, that hasn't grown yet. Right. That hasn't grown yet as much. So who I wanted to serve was that US Latina that is established in the US that understood the financial system that are pretty much the ones that primarily manage the household finances. And so that's when I, instead of soothing it or importa, I decided, okay, her money matters is going to go away. Soothing it or importa is going to go away and it's going to be her dinero matters. So I think that started back in June of 2019, if I'm not mistaken. And Danielle, since that, that has probably the best decision for my business I have made. Because of that, yes, they say the riches are in the niches. And I felt like niching to women was enough. (laughs) That wasn't enough. But really talking to the U.S. Latina just made such a difference. It's opened the doors for me to work with different brands. And I have to say big brands. I'm a humble person, so I'm not here bragging for those of you that know me. And it's just allowed me that opportunity to really grow my business. And even though I've niched down, even though my download numbers over time have definitely gone down and I'm working on building those numbers, it's pretty much has grown my business. Oh my goodness. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it really made my business really grow and take off. You know, from your story, what for me was abundantly clear, even just like shifting through your website as well, is like, you know exactly who you serve. That clarity is so important. And I'm going to read this from your website. You said that your listeners tend to be Latina, have thriving and busy careers, and are the money managers of their households. They have been in the United States for a while and have adapted to the culture and have a lot of pride in being Latina. So how do you know your listeners so well? For podcasters who are trying to get in touch with a specific type of person, did you conduct any surveys, any interviews? How did you gather all of this intel? 
well, that's the intention. That's who I want to serve. And that's the intention that I set with the interviews and the content that I create. Actually, I have not done another survey because I was allowing time to pass since what I called the merge (laughs) and seeing where those numbers were going to fall down to. I knew my numbers were going to go down in terms of downloads. I didn't know where they were just kind of stabilized at. And now they've stabilized at a certain point in me working on growing them. Now I think I'm at a point where I can survey them to get better data because I still have my loyal listeners from Her Money Matters that haven't stopped listening and they may not be Latina or my male listeners. So it's really the intention of providing content that, granted, the content serves more than that, but the way that I try to provide the content is really more aimed at that U.S. Latina that is a money, you know, their household money manager has a thriving career and everything. I love that. I love the intentionality. And that also just helps, like you said, to speak to the right person, but also collaborate with different brands, know what kind of guests that will do really well on your show. So I think that it just makes a lot of sense. Another question I had for you was, now that with the name Her Dinero Matters, what was that reaction of your audience when you initially like rebranded and you introduced them to this new name and this new bilingual podcast format? They were very supportive. Like again, I feared it. I feared it because I had my loyal listeners and people that had been with me from the beginning that weren't necessarily Latina, but they embraced it. And I think because with my emails and in my podcast, I talked. I can't say every episode, but there was always a mention because I am that proud Latina. (laughs) I carry my culture through and through, and there was always some sort of mention about that. So I think that helped too. They weren't like, oh, I didn't know you were Latina. (laughs) And in terms of bilingual, yeah, I wanted to talk about that because when people think bilingual, some people may think I provide the content in Spanish and I provide the content in English. And I don't do that because one, that would be a ton of work. (laughs) And we, I've got a small team. Yes, we're growing, but we're not there yet. So basically for me, what I define as a bilingual podcast is one where we can just be ourselves. We speak the two languages or we may not speak the two languages fluently, but we understand enough that we may just throw words here and there because I don't know the exact statistic, but Not all Latinos, U.S. Latinos speak Spanish, right? And maybe they understand Spanish, but they don't necessarily feel comfortable speaking in Spanish. Just like Cardi B, that she says her Spanish is ratata, (laughs) right? (laughs) So there's Latinos that feel like that. So I wanted to make sure that was inclusive because, again, this is a U.S. Latino right? Or Latina. And so I just want to make sure that I was inclusive of that as well. Even though I may speak both languages fluently, I did not want to just have a podcast where my Latina sisters that don't speak fluently were excluded. So that was important for me too, because it's a reflection of who is the U.S. Latinx community, who 
are they? I mean, there's different subgroups and whatnot, but in terms of the ones that I'm serving, they may not necessarily speak Spanish. They can understand, but again, it's like Cardi B, they may speak it ratata. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's so interesting. Very, very interesting. So my family is from Haiti and I grew up going to Haiti every summer. And I'm also first-generation American. So I have a very different relationship to language than my cousins who are also first-gen American, but have never really been to Haiti. Their parents didn't speak to them Creole at all. So it's varied, right? You could be in the same generation, but one person can speak it fluently. They go back to their motherland a lot and another person doesn't. So I love that you mentioned that with a bilingual podcast for you and your definition of bilingual, it allows you to be yourself, speak two languages, speak one language perhaps, and it's the fluidity. And I think there's an art form to making your guests feel comfortable in a setting where they can speak one or two or a combination of the two languages, right? So how do you make your guests feel super welcome that they can express themselves in whatever language they see fit? I let them know right off the bat that whatever language comes out of their mouth is welcome. Like I said, our bilingual brains, it's hard to control them, which leads to mispronunciation of words in both languages, which makes life interesting. So I do that. And for those guests, and it hasn't been that many guests that only maybe prefer Spanish. I also do do solo episodes in Espanol because what I have been noticing in some of the testing, as like I mentioned before earlier, is the consumption of podcasts by Latinos is definitely growing. And the consumption of podcasts in Espanol in the U.S. is growing. And I've had some episodes that I have done in Spanish that have gone really well. So I've started testing because really the purpose of those episodes are for those that are listening that maybe speak English fluently, that they can share that content with their family members that don't. Because a lot of, especially millennials, have had to be the translator for their family, right? So I want to alleviate that aspect and provide some content that they could pass on to their family members that's in Espanol. That's super interesting. Like I had mentioned, my family was from Haiti and my grandpa speaks English really, really well. My grandma used to, but I don't know why. For some reason, she hasn't been doing that well in the last 20 years, (laughs) for some reason. So sharing content with her that she could understand well, that to me is very relatable. So I definitely can understand wanting to record episodes that are solely in Spanish. It also sounds like analytics plays a big role in the decisions that you make and like how you end up creating your podcast. So can you kind of talk more about that? Because you sound like you know a lot in terms of how the Latino listener, like what they're interested in, and you're looking at your own analytics and stats. So how important is numbers to you and analytics to your decision-making process? It is and it isn't. So it is in the sense I look at the trends of like, okay, so if I compare all the Spanish episodes that I've done, 
Are they growing? Are they staying the same? Are people listening to them? So I take a look at that. I also listen to my audience responses to the emails. I've done a virtual event for the past two years called Financially Strong Latina that also provides me a lot of insight because I'm able to interact with attendees. So that's where I gather. So again, the numbers do play because it kind of gives you a trend. It gives you the trend of like what's going on as well as I have been looking at the Apple podcast, the insights there in terms of how long they listened to it. So did they listen to the first 10 minutes? Did they complete the full podcast? Especially with the Spanish episodes, I'm interested in knowing that because that helps me determine, okay, do I put a solo episode in Espanol every single month? Do I just kind of sprinkle it in here and there? So those are some of the things that I take into consideration. And sometimes it's just a matter of oh, I'm thinking this type of content in English or I'll just do it in English. (laughs) But really when I determine in terms of the how much content in Espanol, I tend to look at those trends. Very, very interesting. You also mentioned sponsorships, that you were able to get sponsorships for the episodes in Spanish. So for people who are interested in sponsorships route, but they want to host a bilingual podcast, What are some of the conversations like when you are talking to a sponsor? Is there excitement? Is there doubt? Is there hesitancy? Would love to get some insights on that. So there's two things I want to say on that. One is the companies that have contacted me ever since 2020 and everything, the unfortunate things that happened in 2020, there are companies, even though diversity, equity, inclusion is there's a long way to go and some companies committed and they're not doing anything, but there's still some companies that are wanting to support podcasters of color, right? So that has been a part of that. And plus they know the statistics of the Latinx community and how big we are. And they know we're the biggest consumers. We're the least to invest right now, but we're the biggest consumers. And so, of course, they want to sell and they're wanting to get their company in front of the ears of the Latinx community. The second part of this is I was doing the negotiations myself before when sponsors would contact me. I wasn't doing any pitching because I didn't have any time to do pitching. So it was just, I was relying on sponsors to contact me. And I was fortunate that they did, not always consistently, but they did. But then eventually I am part of what's called the Latina Podcasters Network. So even though I was negotiating myself and I was actually pretty proud of what I did (laughs) with the negotiations because it wasn't the $50 for, what is it, a thousand downloads or whatever. It was was more than that. I was charging three, $400 per episode. But now being a part of the network, that has also helped because even though some of the companies are still contacting me, I am able to hand this off to the network. And it's a win-win. One, it is someone else that is doing the negotiations. And because of that, I was like, oh my gosh, I was leaving money on the table and I thought I was doing pretty darn good. The other part of the win is that it allows the network to share, hey, these other podcasts, are you interested? So it allows the other podcasters to also have the opportunity 
for sponsors. So I have loved that. And yeah, the Latina Podcasters Network has done a phenomenal job of really negotiating and just bringing McDonald's, big companies like that. Excellent. Excellent. And I would love to have Rita, the founder of Latina Podcasters Network, on the show at a future date. So thank you so much for sharing that. The network, what's really interesting is that they're able to pool the resources together and also advocate on behalf of their podcasters, right? So being able to advocate and share, hey, here we have a set of shows. So I think that's just amazing. And it's quite difficult for an indie podcaster to do the pitching, the negotiating, the actual execution of the campaign. So I love that they're able to help and provide such a valuable service and also gets the Latina podcasters more recognition in the world. So love, love, love that. What I did notice, Jen, is that you publish your show notes in English and in Spanish as well. So I'd love to hear your process for creating your show notes in Spanish. Is there anything that you do that's different from the English show notes? You probably have seen when I was in transition where I did the su dinero en porta, where I would do that. I'm no longer doing that because of the nature of the show. It's in English, partly in Spanish, depending on what we have our conversation on. But basically the process I did, I would just write a little blurb in whatever language I was thinking in. And then I literally would go to, is it Google Translate or something? I would copy and paste because I didn't want to do any thinking. And then from there, I would read it and revise it. And that's what I would do, because I didn't want to have to translate word from word. It doesn't do like a great job, but at least it gets it started. And so that's literally what I did for those episodes. Okay, great. And I'll make sure to have the link to that Google product in the show notes for anyone who is interested. I typically use those apps when I'm actually traveling. So I love that you use it as a shortcut for your show notes as well. It sounds like overall, the reaction of your listeners, it sounds like they were very pleased and encouraging of the new show format. So for folks who want to dive into more of a bilingual podcast, what would be your recommendation if they're nervous about the reaction of their listeners, abandoning their listeners potentially? Right. And that's what I felt that I was doing, abandoning it. That didn't feel good. So I would say I let them in into what I was thinking of doing, seeing their reaction, also being very honest. Hey, I'm wanting to do this, but I'm going to be real with you. I'm feeling a lot of guilt because you have been so supportive over the years and I'm having a guilt like I'm just leaving you. So just having that open conversation, I think is helpful in defining what that bilingual is, because I tend to see a lot of like, this is a bilingual, whatever it is, a website, and they have both English and Spanish. If you're wanting to do those dual languages, you do need to have a system for that. It is work if you're able to outsource that and more power to you. I decided this was too much. And I decided over the course of time that I'm the boss of my podcast. So I'm just going to do it my way. And I decided just to do it in English. And if I do an episode in Spanish, obviously those show notes will be in Spanish. And everything that I do, whether on social media or even in my emails to my list, 
there's always some sprinkle of Spanish, always, whatever comes naturally. And you know, I think that comes across plainly in your title too, because there's English and also Spanish right in the title of your podcast. So I think it definitely teases the kind of content that they can expect, which is like so great. Jen, this was so fun and enriching. I think also very helpful to get insights into the thought process of hosting a bilingual podcast. And I love that For me, at least, the big takeaway of this episode was that there are many different variations of what a bilingual podcast could look like. And I love that you leave it fluid so that you can kind of move within both spaces and the intentionality that you took to actually make that decision. So thank you so much for coming in and sharing so much of your story and your journey. Any last piece of advice you would give to any listeners who are thinking about this type of format show? I would just say, be you, do you. There is not one way of doing the show as a bilingual format. And just follow your gut, because I know we tend to look for guidance and advice. And that's fine, because I still look for guidance and advice. But at the end of the day, you have to just trust yourself that you know what's right for you. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Jen, please let everyone know how they can connect with you after listening to this episode and any new upcoming projects that we should be on the lookout for as well. Sure. So you can just go to jenhempill.com. You can find me on Instagram. That's pretty much where I'm most active. And really the next project is the next rendition of Financially Strong Latina that we're starting to work on. It's probably will still be virtual this next year, but that'll be in the spring of, or maybe late winter of 2023. Can you share a little bit more about this event? Would love to hear more. Yeah, yeah. So the event rose out of, I wanted to do an event, actually an in-person event. I had even hired an event planner here in the DC area. I had even booked a venue for September 2020 here in the DC area. And you know what happened? (laughs) That went out the window because of COVID and the pandemic. And I still wanted to do something. But at that time, I wanted to do more like of a podcast live event. That was my vision. And when that wasn't happening because we couldn't do anything in person, I decided to do Financially Strong Latina and have a conversation about money. So Financially Strong Latina, it's been an event series, meaning they're at night and we have three sessions, three consecutive days, or this year we had it three different weeks. The audience for this is the person that works a nine to five job. And the purpose here is not to teach them everything about finance, but to get the conversation started. And it's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing because we had such great, great feedback and such a great turnout, sponsorship for both years, paying the speakers, which is super, super important for me. And I had one of the actual attendees message me on Instagram just not even a week ago that she shared with me, and I had to screenshot it because I'm like, I can't lose this. She shared with me that when she attended the event, she was starting from zero. She was starting from zero, no savings and everything. And since the event, and this happened in April of 2022, at the time we're recording, since the event, she has a 401k. She has a Roth. 
She's putting money in savings and these other different nuggets. It's really an event to push that person, even though they maybe haven't done much with their finances, to allow them and give them that confidence that they can do this. And so that's really financially strong Latina. It's an event by Latinas for Latinas. And really my intention is always have someone, a sponsor, we were fortunate to have AARP two years in a row, paying the speakers, which again, was super important to me and really provide some valuable content. And the thing that people really loved was like, oh my gosh, this is the first event we've been to that has spoken to us. And that was huge. Do you feel like your podcast helped to inspire attendees to actually attend the event? Good question, because with the event of how it was structured, we did do a lot of Facebook ads. So there were people that were completely new to me. And yes, people that listened to my podcast were definitely there at the event. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Jen, for deep diving on the event process. I love events, plan several myself. It's always good to get a behind the scenes look at that. So Jen, thank you so much for coming again on today. I think this conversation was very inspiring and also illuminating for folks of many different cultures who are interested in hosting a bilingual podcast, knowing what the accomplishments are, but also the challenges of what it takes to actually pull something off like this. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Daniel, for having me and for your leadership because you do so much. And I just want to acknowledge you because I really admire everything that you have done over the years and the support that you have provided. So thank you. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate that so much. 